What are you listening to? I, I don't know. It just came on. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 21 of Odyssey Geek. This is your host, Austin, and today I'm getting back to reviewing Odyssey episodes. Yeah, I've been kind of lax on reviewing a lot of the new episodes. As some may remember, when I first started the podcast, I was doing one or two episodes at a time. Like the first episode was reviewing the two-parter Unsinkable, and then it had some episodes where I only told about one episode, like Bridget Redefined. And that was great, but when there's other things I would like to do as well, like lists and discussion episodes... I stopped doing as many episode reviews, at least for Odyssey. And at this point of recording, Album 71 has been fully released. Album 72 has been on the club and some on the radio. And the club season for 2021 has finished airing. And I haven't reviewed any of those episodes on the podcast. Well, today, I'm taking care of that. I'm going to be reviewing all 12 episodes of Season 8 of The Adventures in Odyssey Club. Don't turn this off yet. Don't worry. It's not going to be that long of an episode. If I spent as much time as I usually do on a single episode of Odyssey, this podcast could get close to four hours long. Maybe even more. So that's why I'm going to simplify things a little bit. So I'm going to be talking about two things that stood out from the episode that I liked, two things that I disliked, some general thoughts, and a rating. So hopefully I'll get through all these quickly, but hopefully I'll be able to cover a lot of the episode's topics and production values. All right, let's get this review marathon started. All right, so the first episode for the season is If I Never Told You. So the first thing I liked about this episode was that we got to hear more about Penny's family. I really like her parents, Frank and Eleanor. Charlotte, we haven't heard from her a whole lot, so I don't have much of an opinion on her, but I like their interactions with Wooten and Penny, and this episode really delivers with that. Going with that, we hear about how Frank and Eleanor met, we hear about Eleanor's sister, which I like her quite a bit. One thing I didn't like about this episode is that it came at an odd time with its Christmas theme. It was released in January when it very easily could have been released in December. I think this episode is better with the Christmas theme than it was in All By Myself. I don't really consider that episode a Christmas episode very much. This one did. It had the music for it. It had the setting, had the snow, but it wasn't quite on the level of some episodes where it immerses you into the Christmas season. The second thing I did like about this episode was the humor. It was quite humorous without being over the top, and it's humor that makes sense for the characters. Sometimes Wooten and Penny can be, mm, sometimes they can be written in a way that it's too random. But I think Abigail Geiger, which I think this is her first episode writing for these characters, I think she did a great job with portraying Wooten and Penny at their best. So this episode is a really good episode, I believe. And again, I'm trying to keep it simple here, so I could go into more detail about the theme and all that. Suffice it to say, really good episode. Not the greatest, but it's better than an average episode. So I will give it four stars out of five. All right, the next episode is a mouthful. Kopkino, a hare, a hedgehog, and a doof. Which really, that's a really unique title for Odyssey. Of course, most people will probably just keep it down to Kopkino, but even that is kind of hard to spell. Now, starting out, I will say I loved, loved the music in this. I like when music is overdramatic and kind of outlandish for a reason. There are some episodes with the music in the episode for, you know, more dramatic episodes or more slice-of-life episodes is 
almost to the point of being cartoonish. But when it comes to an episode like this, the way it's written, it's meant to be a lot of comedy. It's meant to be really imaginative. It fits really well. I especially like the last music cue for this episode before it goes to the credits. Now, to the first thing I didn't like about this episode, I believe this episode had way too many insults. And I'm talking more about the first story, about the hare and the hedgehog. Now, I know the hare was portrayed to be a mean person, not a likable person at all. However, I think they went a little bit overboard with this episode. The hare has so many insults and names for the hedgehog, which in some cases are kind of funny, but they can be really mean. And especially if kids say about people that are slow, people that, you know, might be disabled or, you know, can't walk very fast or run very fast. Well, it comes down to also kind of the same idea why they don't release sticks and stones. Because in that episode, there's, I think, three or four names that young Bart calls a kid that he thought was fat. And the reason that the Odyssey team has given us that that episode hasn't been released is because they didn't want kids to have a lot of fat jokes to use on people. So, comparing that with this episode, in this episode there's a lot of insults that people could use, especially kids, to describe people that can't get around as well as they do. So, it's kind of hypocritical. And when you look at it, Six and Stones makes it very clear that that name calling was not right, and Bart and Rodney has their comeuppance. But in this episode, yeah, the hare is defeated in the race, kind of. But yeah, it's... I'll just leave it at that. That just kind of made me uncomfortable there. Now, the second thing I didn't like was something that we actually didn't get to hear. Because I heard in an official podcast with Phil Lawler and Dave Arnold about this episode that there was a third story that they had written and recorded, but they ran out of time to put in here. Which, to be honest, it's a club episode. You could have added that in there unless they ran out of time to, you know, do the post-production before the release. But sometimes I think three three stories, kind of like how a lot of kids' radio episodes are, like for, like, Hidden in My Heart, The Bible Network, The Devil Made Me Do It. Those three different stories, I think work well, I don't know what the word is, symmetrical or something. But you know, sometimes when stuff comes in threes, sometimes it's more pleasant that way. I don't know. I don't know if I've explained myself well enough there. But I feel like this episode, because it wasn't just one full story about the hare and the hedgehog or the doof, it felt like there could have been some more added to this episode. It just felt like that cutting back and forth between different stories would have been better if there's a third story to finish everything off, which I hope we get to hear that story in the future sometime. Now, for the second thing that I liked about this episode, there were so many great jokes in this episode. It's not quite as funny as Ripple Stillskin, but still, it's very, very clever and witty. Friedrich Holstein, again, like hearing him. Wilhelm Holstein? He had a lot of great lines, especially like his send-off when he says, Avidasan and later hosen to you all. And then also, I love the part in the Doof story where the father says that he's at his wit's end and his son responds with, oh, I love ice cream. Made me laugh out loud. Probably, that was probably my favorite joke from the entire episode. I don't think an episode of Odyssey has really pointed that out. You know, for us Odyssey fans, when we hear someone say wit's end, we don't normally think W-I-T-S. We think W-H-I-T-S. Also, the connivers carnivores thing that was good wordplay as well so overall this episode i would say probably one of the weaker episodes from this season and it's not one that i would come back to very often i do like rumpelstiltskin a lot better i think that was much more i think that story is much better written and having all one full story helped with that but i think with this it just didn't feel like that good of an episode so with that said i'm only going to give this episode three stars out of five okay so the third episode is the clown hero so first off, I want to say this was a very, very unique storyline for this episode. 
It has some aspects of the Tangled Web and some other Odyssey episodes, but overall it's a very unique story. It's one that's not predictable, and it has an ending that feels satisfying, and I think it's going to be probably one of those underrated episodes of Odyssey that people won't talk about much, but it's a very good episode. I think it's one of the least talked about episodes from the season, but it deserves more attention. So, the first thing I didn't like about this episode... And I say this with a disclaimer, I understand that these episodes during this time were recorded remotely, some recorded remotely, some people couldn't record in the studio, had to record it at their house or whatever. But when I heard Valerie on the show, almost immediately I could tell that wasn't recorded with the professional mic or in the best recording environment because she sounded so off, it sounded kind of robotic to a certain extent or hollow. So I'm almost certain that the actress for her probably wasn't in the studio or didn't have a great recording setup. And it shows. I think all the scenes that had her in it took place inside, so it wasn't quite as noticeable as if they put it outside. So even though I first listened to this episode through a Bluetooth speaker, I could tell that it was off. And that just kind of took me out of the story a little bit. I was able to get over it after a while. And again, I understand the predicament the team was in. It's just something that, to me, someone that works with sound a lot, things like that I pick up a lot more than some people would. Now, another thing about this episode, which I don't think is the episode's fault... But it's because of the coined phrase, I think, by Allie or Michael is critical Rydell theory is that when I heard about the random good deeds or people leaving notes and stuff like that, my mind went to Mori, Suzu, because it takes place after that. And it almost kind of sounds like maybe what the team might do, as in the team, as in the team, the episode I haven't reviewed yet. But then I think... Either before or after that, I might have also thought Israelites. It sounds kind of like what the Israelites did. I'll get into this whenever I review that episode, but the Israelites, I think, are much more ethical. At least how it was originally is a lot better than the team. So because of those other episodes that didn't have anything to do with this episode, it kind of shaded my thinking on this episode. It's not this episode's fault, but that's just what came to me. And another thing I liked about this episode, there's some good humor like with Olivia and Zoe, when they find out like the hair in the jacket, and Zoe has a line, did you shed recently? And then I think Ted Humphreys, and then her, you know, listen to your donkey. There were some pretty funny lines like that throughout this episode that added some extra flavor to this already great story. So my final thoughts on it, this is a really good episode. Like I said, it's very unique, very clever. I think it's probably one of the best stories that Odyssey has done about, you know, not taking credit for something good. You don't have to do that all the time. I think they brought that across very well. I don't think it's one of the best Odyssey episodes, but it's near the top of the list. So I think I'll give The Clown Hero four and a half stars out of five. All right, let's move on to Search for a Sunflower. And starting out with something good, I like that they had a different composer for this episode. I do like John Campbell. I do like Jared DePasquale. But I am glad that Odyssey is letting other composers do music for the show. Like recently we had Aaron Follin with a couple episodes, and Tyler Michael Smith is the newest addition to composers for Odyssey. The music sounded a lot like Aaron Follin's music for past Odyssey shows, and I think, I can't remember if I knew it was him or not. I think I might have heard that he was he had done music for an episode of Odyssey, so I can't, I can't remember for certain, but their music styles are kind of similar for this kind of story. But I still think he did a good job with this, and he does a really good job with Please Adjust Your Frequency. So that's something that made this episode unique. Now to something I didn't like, I think Penny was too mean in this episode. I think she had too many put-downs aimed at Connie, and Penny can on occasion be that way, but with this she seemed too mean, and, the other, and a lot of other times when she does it, it's more of a in, a, in a naive way. I'm not quite sure how to describe it, but you know, not quite hurtful. With this, it seemed like there was a more of a 
kind of a mean spirit to her. I don't really like the character Penny that much, but this made her even more unlikable. Now, I don't think I have anything else to say about this episode I didn't like, so I'll just go ahead and move on to the second thing I liked. It was a surprising story. It was kind of a mystery. I thought it was going to be kind of a mystery at first, and it kind of is, but with it being wrapped up pretty quickly, like we find the culprit or culprits pretty fast, but there were some twists with it that made this not just a run-of-the-mill mystery, and I like that. And I know I'm trying to keep it to two things I like and two things I don't like, but I will have to say I did really like hearing from Jacques Henri again. It's been way too long since we've heard from him. This episode, again, I don't think it's one of the best Odyssey episodes. I think it's probably close to more of an average Odyssey episode. I think it was kind of a unique story, and it brought in some good secondary characters. I don't think it's just because Penny was being too mean this episode. Maybe I just don't care for Penny that much. That's why I didn't like this episode with it being so Penny-centric. But beyond the writing for Penny's dialogue and her actions towards Connie, there wasn't a whole lot that I didn't like about this episode. But again, it's not one that really wowed me. So I think I'll only give this episode three and a half stars out of five. Okay, next up is Hurricane Perkins. I've said before in the podcast, I love the Perkins family. I think they're probably the best storyline that Odyssey has had in a while when it comes to a group of characters. I really like their progression. I really like how intentional their characters are and that Marshall Younger is pretty much the only person writing for them. So that way you have a consistent vision on how they act and where they're going. And this episode did a good job of that, of making the characters get out of their comfort zones, I guess I should say. I think it shows them, you know, looking towards other people for help and hopefully looking to God at some point in the future. Now, all that said, one of the things I didn't like about this episode was that it was a club episode. I understand the reason for it because it has to do with, I think Cadence International was the ministry this was attached to, and showing the things that they do for military families. However, this again feels like an episode that should have been in a mainstream album. I think it does add, I think it does further the characters along enough that I think people that are only listening to the mainstream albums will miss. It breaks down Bridget's character more. She kind of admits that she doesn't have friends. We hear Carla being impacted by Christians more. And we also hear Wyatt finally be put in his place about the things that he talks about with little to no knowledge. Which I know some people have a problem with that. I think it's a funny part of his character. And again, he's not a Christian, he's a little kid. It's just a fun quirk to his character. But I'm glad they addressed it that what he does is wrong. I think this episode really could have been an episode on its own outside the club without any ministry being a part of it. It's kind of the situation we had with Bridget Redefined a couple seasons back. It's an episode that furthers the character's development that unless you're listening to the club too, you're going to miss out. And I don't think that's right. And it's great for people like me that get to hear both, but for some people that don't have the club at all or aren't aware of the club, it just makes me sad. Now, the second thing I don't like about this episode, and I think the biggest problem I have with it, the dad, Howard, I think he was way too hard on Carla. So, I can't remember an exact phrase, but I think the lady that invited the Perkins family to be at that get-together talked about, like, you know, talking to, different, talking to different military families and having them talk to each other about their experiences. So when Carla was talking to Shelly about her experiences... I don't think she was wrong at all in doing that. I mean, she doesn't really have anybody else to talk to about that. It makes sense that she'd want to share with somebody and someone that's in a military family that she thought probably would understand it more and 
hopefully help her as well. So I don't fault her for sharing those scary stories with her. And really, if your spouse is going to the military, you would think that kind of idea about them going to war or being in a dangerous situation, that'd be part of your thinking. So it's not like it was a totally foreign idea to Shelly. And Bridget, I mean, Bridget is Bridget. I think she tried to smooth things over when she realized that Darcy, which the voice for Darcy is so cute, but when she realized that Darcy was, you know, being kind of scared and stuff, she did try to make a mental bit and try to stop talking about it, about, you know, the friendship thing. Now, for Wyatt, yes, definitely. I think he should have been put in his place with that. Because he doesn't just do that, this kind of thing, in this scenario. He does that everywhere he goes. And basically, he is lying. He might believe some of those things, but some of the stuff I think he probably makes up or exaggerates. So that is pretty much the only thing I think really is the biggest issue that I think Howard should have had. I know, he is... He's kind of tactful with how he comes across, but I think he is too harsh on them. And I think the way this episode's written, it makes them, it makes the Perkins seem like kind of bad people. It kind of paints the Perkins as being insensitive people, which I don't think they are really. And I think also their expectation going in from the person they talked to about what they can do there, especially for Carla, might have played into some of their reactions to people. I'm not sure if I'm getting that across right, but. That's the biggest issue I have with this episode. It wasn't totally their fault in making those three people upset. I think there was a great resolution with all that. But again, I think I think the Perkins are criticized way too much. All right, so enough of that. Last thing I'll say about this episode, and it's something that I do like, is there are some pretty funny moments with Wyatt. I came talking about leprosy, Arabian death scorpions, and the rat milk. That's just, I, I really like Wyatt. Wyatt's, Wyatt's one of my favorite kid characters on the show right now. So hearing his his lines, even though, again, they're kind of problematic, but they are addressed in this episode. But that was that was fun to hear. Now, this was a good episode for the Perkins. It's a fun story, and it also shows the Perkins family outside of other Odyssey characters. Like, there's no Wit, Connie, Eugene, Wooten, or anybody like that. It's just the Perkins. Those are the only characters that we know. And I like when episodes do that. When they have these characters fleshed out enough that they can work in episodes on their own, I think that's great. So I would give this episode... You know, I would probably I would probably give this episode five stars if the writing for how much of an emphasis was put on the Perkins being at fault. For some things that they shouldn't be at fault for, I'd probably give it five stars, but I think I'll just give it four and a half stars, to be fair. Okay, so let's talk about the revenge of Bigfoot. So the first thing I'll say, I'm liking hearing from Buddy and Jay again. They're a great duo. I thought they were great and walkworthy, and they're really awesome, and please adjust your frequency. They're great foils for each other. Of course, Jay has a lot of really funny lines talking about, you know, how he thinks Elvis is still alive. One of his really funny lines in this episode was, I was too busy mocking you to listen. Totally Jay. Now, to something I don't like, I feel that there was a little bit too much of an emphasis on Bigfoot research. The way Buddy's dad and Buddy himself are into it, it seemed like a little bit extreme to me. Personally, I believe there are some animals out there that scientists may not know very much about, and people can see a lot of things when they're wanting to see something. And there's also people like Professor Harding that try to make a name for themselves by faking stuff. I think this episode just put that, is it true, is it not true? I don't think it was very balanced a whole lot, even with Eugene refuting it. I just felt that it was like, eh, yeah, you didn't need to go that much into that. So another thing I didn't like 
I felt this episode had a really good opportunity to have a callback to the episode No Bones About It, when Dwayne thought that Bigfoot's bones were an odyssey. That was a really good episode. And this episode had a perfect opportunity to talk about that a little bit, but really, there wasn't. And I can't remember who it was, but they said Odyssey isn't one for Bigfoot sightings, or not known for Bigfoot sightings. There was a so-called sighting. I'll stop talking about that. I just think it was a missed opportunity. And last thing about this episode, not necessarily the content itself, but how it turned out. This is the last episode before the three-parter, as Buck would have it, with Eugene in it. So this is the last non-Buck storyline episode that we get with Eugene. So re-listening to it, you know, I had that in the back of my mind. And it's not just because of that. I think this episode is very well produced. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of there's a lot of action. And it's an episode I think would fit with other summer episodes like Camp What a Nut and Our Best Vacation Ever. So even though I had a few issues with it, I don't think they were really major. So this episode, I think I'll give it four and a half stars out of five. Alright, we're halfway done. So next up is the two-parter Voice of Freedom. So part one, I have to say I really like the music for this. And also part two. I think Jared DePasquale did a great job of communicating that feeling in the atmosphere of this country. A lot of it has this really cold feeling, dark and suspenseful, and it goes a long way in making the story, you know, kind of a bleak picture without seeing that picture. So I think the one thing that bugged me the most about this episode is the question that Jiho asked Wit. He says near the beginning of his conversation with him, did you save my life or destroy it? It's a really odd question, especially since that question wasn't brought up or answered later. It seems more like a line that's meant for a teaser, which I think that line is in the teaser for this episode. It's supposed to add some dramatic tension there and make you keep listening, but it just felt kind of off to me. And another thing, I think this episode would have been better off if it had a parental warning on it for several reasons. One is them talking about the torture going on where Jiho has to beat his friend. And just the overall feel for the episode, I feel like younger kids would probably have a hard time listening to these episodes. And you know, it's a common saying in the Odyssey fandom that if an episode has a printer warning on it, it's always a good one. These episodes, I think, really needed it because I really don't think it's meant for younger kids. I think it's a little bit out of the 8 to 12 range that Odyssey is for maybe 10 and up, but probably not younger than that. Again, that's up to the parents to decide, but a printer warning makes it easier for parents to have an idea of what's going to be in the episode. One storytelling device I really liked was the montage where Jiho has only 20 seconds to hear about the gospel, and it's just a great mix of music, acting, and the script there. It's really cool. That's a really great moment in this episode. I'll give my rating for this episode after I review part two. So for part two, the first thing I liked about this episode, very suspenseful. It keeps you on the edge of your seat, wondering if Jiho will get caught, how it will happen. It's really great. You're not necessarily sure what's going to happen. I mean, the artwork for this episode does give it away. So if you see that, then you're probably not surprised. But I guess you could probably guess that would probably happen at some point. Or some kind of confrontation. Now, I don't really have anything negative to say about this episode. However, I think the ending... It seems almost, hmm, I'm not sure what the word is. Not quite fairy tale like but almost unrealistic. I mean, I know this is about a fictional country, but it is, but it does have some aspects of, like, North Korea in it. And the story itself isn't a true story. It just has some elements from real life. But beyond that, 
this episode I think was stronger than part one. And because this episode isn't a true story, I'm okay with Whit being the one that Jiho heard on the radio. That was a cool surprise, but one that wouldn't have worked as well if this was a true story. So I think I'll put that in my second good thing for the episode. So overall, these episodes are very, very well produced. I think it does a good job of showing what some countries are going through. It's not ones that I'll probably come back to too often, but that doesn't mean that these aren't great. They are good. They're not the best of the best. They're above average, I would say. So for part one, I enjoyed that one a little bit less than part two, even though I think it had a great setup for everything. I think I just enjoyed part two a little bit more. So I'll say part one gets four stars out of five, and part two gets four and a half stars out of five. Okay, we're almost done. It's time for the Blizzard series. That means it's time to talk about The Snow Must Go On. Now before we move on, I just want to say I love the puns for all these episodes. I think it's a more clever way of tying them all together rather than just giving it part 1, part 2, part 3, part 4. So the first thing I liked about this episode also kind of ties in with the first thing I don't like about this episode. That's because this is the first episode we've heard of all the Calhoun family together. That's a great thing. We heard the dad introduced in a sun-scorched land a few seasons back. We got to know Cooper a little bit in album 67. We heard Trey and his mom in album 68. And it's great. I love their chemistry together. I think they're a great family. However, it shouldn't have been a club episode. Especially since these are characters that are going to be in both the club and the mainstream albums. I think it'd be more fair if an episode with all of them together had been aired before this one. Or had this four-parter outside of the club. It doesn't detract from the episode itself. It just annoys me when I look at it, think about Odyssey overall, and how it's released. So that's my first positive, first negative. Second negative, I'm not sure this is a good thing to put on Odyssey. It's basically toilet humor, which Odyssey has done a little bit of that in the past, but the rhyming thing with the gifts and Cooper getting pooper scoopers. Yeah, it's funny, but I think it's a little bit overboard for Odyssey. And that's all I'll say about that. Second thing I liked, I liked a lot of the humor in this episode. It's fun hearing two brothers arguing back and forth, which we haven't had much of that in Odyssey families in the past. One of my favorite lines was when they got to the hospital, and Trey says, I could just kiss this truck. And Cooper comes back with, we need to really get you a girlfriend. Also, the explanation between die and dice was pretty funny. And I should mention before I move on, this episode also includes the first time we hear Kayla's broadcast, which we hear in all four of the episodes, which is a nice touch. I think it's a really cool placeholder that helps you figure out the timeline of everything going on. So this episode had some really great humor in it, some great action, the lesson was great. I think this one is probably the best of all the four parts of the Snow series, or the Blizzard series. It's not perfect, so I'm giving it four and a half stars out of five. Alright, second part, So On and Snow Forth. Now the first thing I liked, I like this mixture of characters. It's really fun hearing these secondary characters interact with each other for the first time, with Eleanor Wise and Edie Nurst, I think that's how you pronounce that. It's Horace's mom. And for the first time, we hear Dolores Veneropoli, which is not said in the episode, but I believe Phil Lawler said that she's Doris Rathbone's sister-in-law or something like that. And she's played by Diane Michelle, I believe. And she does a really good job of sounding like Doris and her mannerisms. So with this conflict, it was really fun hearing these characters interact with each other and with Witt and Wilson. Now, the biggest thing I didn't like about this episode is Wilson's attitude. I think he's being really childish. I'm not necessarily talking about the first part of the episode where he talks about, you know, having a snowball fight. People are still young at heart in some cases. But I think when he's trying to purposely mess up Wit's efforts to try to get people to have peace among each other, and he's a pastor, I don't think that's a good thing. He does apologize later, but it's just, eh, it doesn't feel right. 
I can't really think of anything else I didn't like about this episode, so I'll just go ahead and move on to my second thing I liked about it. There's some great humor in this. Dolores especially, her going through all the food, talking about the donuts thing, and I love the callback. It's subtle, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I'm pretty certain it is. When Wit offers her a napkin, she says that she has long sleeves and she wipes her mouth on her sleeve, which I'm pretty sure is a callback to Rodney and Bart's conversation about cloth napkins and family values. I also loved her line calling Wit, you eggs Benedict. There's just a lot of funny moments. Now, I didn't expect a cliffhanger on this one since the last episode wrapped up pretty well and it stood really well on its own. So I wasn't expecting it, but I don't think it makes it a negative because this is the episode that really kicks off the main storyline, I guess. But I think it's okay because it kind of ramps things up for the next two episodes. So even though this is a pretty fun episode, I did not like Wilson's attitude and his actions in this episode, and that taints the episode some in my opinion. I do think this episode is probably the weakest of the four Snow series episodes, so I'm only going to give this episode three and a half stars out of five. Alright, so next up is Snowem Who's Boss. Now the thing I like the most about this episode is the concept. We haven't had too many episodes where certain characters are stuck together for a long time and they have to figure things out, how to get out of a situation, how to pass a time. And I think the combination of characters is great with this. Wooten is pretty good in this episode. It's just fun seeing how things turn out. Now the first thing I'll say about this episode that I didn't like is something that's been a recurring theme in a lot of episodes. The Jay and Zoe thing. Jay is just way too creepy. This is probably his worst episode with his so-called crush. His jokes about needing a hug and, you know, him wanting certain groups to huddle together for body warmth. Yeah, that's going too far. I really don't think that's appropriate in any situation. He is probably the oldest of all the kids there, and I'm fairly certain he's probably a teenager. And I've talked about this in the past. It just doesn't feel right, and I don't think it should continue. There needs to be a point where Zoe says, no, stop it. Or an adult like Jay's parents or Zoe's parents steps in to stop it. So the next thing I have to say isn't a really big thing. I'm just wondering why Wyatt is going to a leadership retreat. Especially since I think he's younger than the other kids there. Olivia and Zoe, yeah I can understand. There's a reason given for Jay going. But I don't think it's a reason for Wyatt going. Unless it's something else that's going on at the Raleigh Clemens farm. So last thing I like about this episode. I think it was very well produced. Great sound design. Listen to the episode, it might make you feel the cold that they're feeling. It sounds like they're in a bus. It's just really well done. And I guess I'll throw this one in too. There were some really funny lines in this episode, a lot of them from Jay. It's just harder to appreciate them when he has that unhealthy attraction to Zoe. Overall, I really did enjoy this episode quite a bit. More than the last episode, so I'll give this episode 4 stars out of 5. Okay, we're here. We're at episode 12 in the season, and the last of the four-parter makes no mistake. First thing I liked, I liked having Buck and Jules do the kind of things that some kids would like to do if they were stuck in school all by themselves. The mob bucket bowling sounds kind of fun, and the food fight. Yeah, they're damaging school property and making messes, but I can understand it knowing their characters. Now, one thing I think was unnecessary, and it's probably my only negative thing on here, is the parental warning. I can understand it with what happens to Jules later. But I think this episode could have been okay without it. Like I said, I think it was needed in Voice of Freedom, but I think it makes a little less sense here. I think Chris having to wrap up at the end, saying, hey kids, don't try this at home, talking about the parkour that Buck and Jules tried to do. But maybe this episode is more on a kid's level with, you know, kids getting hurt. So maybe that would be more 
distressing to a kid than the military stuff going on in Voice of Freedom. Now, I do think either the acting or the direction for the acting for Buck is a little bit... Hmm, I don't know. He seems a little bit more immature in this episode than some episodes. I'm not sure if that's more of the writing or the acting. Because I know Robbie Bruce is quite a bit older than his character, so maybe he has to, you know, make his voice a little bit higher pitched to make it sound like he's that age. But there was times I felt like, really? That sounds a little bit off, but it's not a big deal. So the last thing I'll say about what I liked in the episode is the seriousness of it. There wasn't a whole lot of seriousness in the first episode, almost non-existent in the second episode, somewhat in the third one. This ramps it up. Now, in the first episode, I wondered who the miner with the head injury might be. I think back then when I first heard it, I thought it might be Buck, if I'm not mistaken. And then in the last episode, I thought, oh, it's going to be Wyatt. But it took me almost until right before Jules gets hurt that I guessed it would be her. So I think that's a really great guessing game for fans listening to the show. I don't think anybody expected it to be Jules. It's a great opportunity for the actors to show a lot of emotion, like Kaylee and Robbie Bruce. However, since this is a club episode, the impact is kind of lessened. If this was in a mainstream album, I think it would have a little more impact. And there may be a little bit of a wondering, okay, is she really going to be really hurt? Is she not going to make it? Is she going to make it but have some kind of, I guess she's going to have some lasting side effect after it? But since this is a club episode, I didn't really believe anything like that would happen. So I think this episode did a good job of tying everything together. It keeps you guessing. There's some good humor in this episode. And it ends in a really good way. I really like the concept of these four episodes. I didn't think that they would be cliffhanger endings that much. I thought that each episode have a little bit to do with the other but it wouldn't be necessary to hear all of them in chronological order or you could just hear one and not hear the others. I think that's only true for the first episode. All that to say, I did have a lot of fun with this four-parter. It's a shame that it can't be in a mainstream album. We haven't had any Snow Day episodes in a while since album 64. And really, they could have had two more Snow episodes to make a whole album out of it. So for this episode, I think it's probably... Mm, I think I'm changing my mind. I think this episode might be the best of all the four-parter. The first episode might be my favorite, but I think this one's probably the best. So I think I'll give this episode four and a half stars out of five. Okay, so I'm done talking about all the episodes individually. Overall, this club season, I think, was better than the last season. I think there was a lot more great episodes in this season compared to the last season. I think the only episodes in the season that I think are misses is Kapkino and probably Search for a Sunflower and so on and so forth. I think all the rest are really solid episodes. I can imagine some might be called classic episodes in the future. Like I said, I really enjoyed the season. I think it was a big improvement on last season. 2021 was a great year for Odyssey episodes. Not just the club season, but the mainstream albums as well. Wow. That was a lot of episodes to get through, but hopefully you had fun listening to my reviews on them. There's a lot of great episodes from the season, and always maybe some not so great ones, but I would like to hear what your thoughts are on the season. What were some of your favorite episodes from last year in the season? What were some of your least favorite ones? I'll let you know how to do that in just a moment. But first off, I want to share a review that I got for this podcast on podchaser.com. Jay Smouse, who is the host of the Adventures and Opinions podcast, which you should go and check out, by the way, left a five-star review and said, Great podcast. Hope to write a longer, more in-depth review someday. Thank you so much, Jay. That's his username, by the way. And yes, I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on this podcast. Jay has done reviews for other fan podcasts, some really interesting and informative reviews. So, I know I'm changing the order of things a little bit, 
But if you want to leave a review like Jay Smouse did, you can write a review on podchaser.com. It's a great website to find different podcasts. It makes it a little more social than most other podcast sites do. On that website, you can create lists of different podcasts, write reviews. It's a really cool site for podcast lovers. And like I usually say, make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And there's some other places that let you do reviews. That makes it easier for people to find out about the podcast. And like I said earlier, you can let me know your opinions on the last club season, this podcast in general, or anything else by emailing me at odysseygeek at gmail.com. You can also find me on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Odyssey Geek. And I'm sure you didn't forget how to spell it, but just in case you did, that's O-D-Y-S-E-Y-G-W-E-K. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Make sure to tell your friends about it. If you think they're Odyssey Geeks as well, they should be listening to this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and I'll talk to you all in the next episode. See ya!